1: It's time for curbside. He shoots, the score. With the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. They score. <clears throat> Bring out the Zamboni.
0: Refreshed by Randalls, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Welcome back, Bloom Party One Hundred and One ESPN. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. Action Jackson on the ones and twos, and he is excited about the Warriors. He is excited about the Lakers. He's excited about the Sixers. He's excited about the Celtics. You know what I'm excited about, Jack? The St. Louis Blues and the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. As am I. I don't know. You know, they're not you said mutually Yesterday, true. you weren't going to stay up to watch it. Oh, there. No, I won't. Chris Kerber, uh, your broadcast partner. Uh, doesn't really exhibit the commitment that I personally would like to see. I can't imagine Joey Vitale saying, yeah, I'm not going to stay up to watch the game. I mean, you know, but you tell me, Uh, Chris Kerbertson. I'm quite
1: surprised. I'm I'm actually, Tim, quite surprised that we have somebody working for an all-sports station that just blatantly says, no, I'm not going to watch sports.
0: Wow! I love hearing (laughs) it. Like, like, honestly,
1: like, honestly, I think it's time to go. I mean, I I, I can't imagine that doing that job producing for you is all that difficult. (laughs) Let's find somebody that actually is committed to – the St. Louis sports to watching it—that and that actually gives a damn. If yes, I
0: mean, Jackson. I mean, you are up against okay. the ropes. I mean, how are you going to respond? To this? the voice of the Blues coming after you?
1: I mean, am, am I wrong here, Tim, or, or what am I thinking? I
0: mean, I don't. I mean, he's all excited. I mean, I, I guarantee you he's going to be up all night reviewing Lakers what, and Warriors and Celtics yeah. and Sixers highlights. So we'll
1: go move to Philadelphia or LA. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. Just you go go chase your dream, my man. <laughs>
0: Take that! Oh, Take I've that! I've been playing my place. Yeah, I mean, you just had the voice. The blues just. I mean, you just landed a couple uppercuts. It's Jackson's on the ground. It's gonna be awkward in the booth together, curves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well, no, that is true. Well, we do need somebody to come vacuum the floor, so I'm sure we got some
0: silly <laughs> Chris Kerber with us here. Hey, it's always wonderful to have you on the program and talk it over. <laughs> what, a, what a weird deal the start to the season is. It was already kind of annoying that it didn't start until Saturday, and then it's like, okay, Saturday, and then let's sit another few uh, days and then get back after it. Uh, from, a, from a flow standpoint, uh, I recognize, I suppose, this is in part strategic on the part of the organization, the NHL. But uh, what is your observation?
1: No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything real strategic. If the schedule comes out, and one of the challenges that you have is in, in a lot of these buildings is, you know, like, like the, Blue, the Blues had a very busy week. There were three events at Enterprise Center last week. And that really kind of prevented, uh, I, I think, uh, being able to open it, you know, during the week there. Now, you could have opened on the road. And I guess the schedule just didn't do it. So by the time we drop the puck on Wednesday night, there will be three teams that will have played five games already. And the Blues will be just playing two. It's weird. It's an anomaly. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything real strategic to it. What happens when the schedule comes out, the general managers and the teams get to look at it. And they will talk with some other teams. And you might see two or three games They'll change. Like a team may look and say, "Wait a minute, yeah. this this road trip looks absolutely insane." We come home for one, we go back on another one. Let's work with the league and try and get a couple things changed, and that happens. But not a whole lot with the schedule change uh, changes uh, from when they release it.
0: That's interesting. I was under the impression, and this is why I use it, the term strategic, that both the Cardinals and the Blues try to avoid getting in spots where they have home games on the same days or nights, and then also the Cardinals don't want to have home games too many early on. Now, part of that's weather, but also Blues playoffs, and that the Blues don't want to risk the Cardinals possibly being in the playoffs, and then that that's where I'm coming from with strategic. And so you won't see as many Cardinal home games in April and as many Blues home games relative to other teams in the league in October, at least the early portion of the season. It, it, so. Well,
1: they're – yeah, there, there might be there might be a little bit of that, but, you know, keep in mind the schedule in a normal situation like it will next summer with the league getting back on track this mm-hmm. year, you know, the, the schedule next year is going to come out that first or second week of July. And you, you, at that point, I don't know how you so much plan for postseason baseball when you have no idea whether you're going to be a division winner, a wild card winner, not in the playoffs, that kind of thing. You can limit the number. Now, the Blues have four road games for – home games in the month of October. So it's an even schedule from that standpoint. You, you can try to limit it the best you can, but it's still going to be the luck of the draw. It's, I don't think the blues are saying, Hey, we don't want, you know, you can try to limit some. Now I, I do believe that there are general managers and coaches and teams out there that, for example, say, no, we want to be gone leading into Christmas. or we want to be gone around certain holidays because they tend to be more distractions or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the blues. I, I, I do at some point want to talk to the schedule makers with the league and get a better understanding of this because, and and I can go back and do a little more research on this, but it it feels so much like the Blues are gone, it seems, almost every year, leading right up to, like say, the Christmas three-day break. And it's not just that they're not playing in Nashville, and they're not playing in Chicago, you know, where it's a 45 minute flight or home or, or Minnesota, where it's, you know, an hour and 15 minutes or Columbus, even they're playing in Vegas where it's a three hour flight home. You're losing the hour and you're getting home at four in the morning on Christmas Eve. And for the life of me, I don't understand why the league does that kind of thing, but whether it be certain trips around Thanksgiving, Christmas, all-star break, there's this matrix of teams you, you typically play around there. uh, And, and it doesn't seem to change much. So, whether that's just weird luck planned, I have no idea. But it is. there is certain anomalies.
0: I've got to tell you, I'm looking at the schedule now, and starting on December 15th, it's five straight games out on the West Coast, and you guys won't return, like you said, until probably 3, 4 in the morning on Christmas Eve because you're right. out in Las Vegas. And, and then
1: look at, uh, I think, uh, going into the teams in Tampa for Thanksgiving uh, during that uh, break, and, and that's not unusual. Being gone you know, during the Thanksgiving holiday is is, is not unusual. We've been in Dallas. We've been in Minnesota. We've been in Arizona before we've I mean, we've been all over the place around that one. But then if you look around kind of all-star breaks, now the blues have a favorable one this year, I think when it comes to that, but, uh, typically, it's a similar kind of thing. You're like, okay, they're coming home from Calgary or they're coming home from Edmonton, and it's 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 never just a divisional opponent, and it's just a, it's a weird quirk, I guess.
0: Boy, that is, uh, yeah, it's a nice little home schedule though. In that week between Christmas and New Year's, with a Tuesday night game against the Leafs and a Thursday night game against the Blackhawks, and New Year's Eve, a little earlier start. Yeah. Against uh, against the Wild, what did you think of uh, of game number one in the books? Tarasenko with a couple goals, Bennington withstanding it for the most part, minus the eighteen seconds in the second period. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from what we saw on Saturday to start the season?
1: You know, I, th- I thought it was really a, a I thought it was a, a good strong game for the St. Louis Blues. They came out, uh, they really dominated the first period. The second period, typical of what you seem to see from the St. Louis Blues when they dominate the first period. To come out loose in the second, I think it's going to be a great game of pond hockey, and then normally they get punched in the mouth and give up a couple goals, and managing two goal leads for whatever reason it feels over the last few years, and this might be quite typical around the NHL right now, but just seems to be a bit of a challenge uh, for this Blues team, but they did it. They found a way to get the win, and you know what? Uh, they recovered in the third period. I thought Jordan Bennington played pretty well. I really like the looks of you know, how the power play, you know, seemed to wheel the puck around. I thought it was outstanding and very telling that one of your penalty-killing duos as a forward were Nathan Walker and Alexei Toropchenko. You had all three fourth-line players in that game take good penalty-killing shifts, not just the final 10 seconds of a penalty kill. Uh, things along those kind of lines. I, I thought there was a lot to build on, and then a couple more days' practice, and we'll see how it goes in
0: Seattle. Do you see more potential battles in the lineup, for instance, can a guy like Neighbors or Trenko continue to threaten someone in the top six, or is that level just set based on the people that are on those lines right now?
1: No, I think that uh, I think you will always have some level of competition internally, even within, say, the 18 players or skaters that are in a lineup for a given game. If Jordan Cairo is having an off night, maybe they decide to slide Jake neighbors up there. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Ivan Barbashev that, that, that moves up the line. If they want a little more physicality on that left side with Ryan O'Reilly, does Barbashev go up to the left side? Can you get Alexei Toropchenko a shift or two? And that's one of the great things, Tim, in my opinion with the way this team is built is that they have the ability to move pieces around like that and not overly impact this roster or, or the game plan too much. And that's, they're, they're a team of Swiss army knives, you know, guys, so many guys that can play different positions and on, and on different lines. And like we've talked about many a times, the positive thing is you've got, you've got three lines that could be anyone could interpret as your top line on a given night. I mean, look, Braden Shen is centering that third line. You have a 60 point player and Ivan Barbashev on that third line, a 60 point player on your third line. I mean, that's, that, that's quite amazing. And then your fourth line is centered by a guy that just two years ago scored 20 goals.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is amazing when you look at that, and that, that, that's the kind of thing that I think gets people excited, even with the loss of Perron, that you have a variety of different options with so many different players on this team. We will get a good chance to see it here. As they will finally pick up the pace starting tomorrow night, back-to-back games here, uh, beginning with the Kraken, and you can hear everything on 101 ESPN with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, and your broadcast partner, Joey Vitale. Fifth season now for uh, Joey, right? This is year number 5. Year yep. number 5. Now I remember having you on my podcast and at the time when the decision was made you were talking about this and you just for lack of a better term had a feeling. You had a read on it. And now 5 years later you'd have to go. Yeah, I I you know, we got to take credit for it. You you had a feeling and and look what's wound up playing out. So let me take you back to then. What was the feeling? Because now you guys have been doing this for five years together, and are obviously a hell of a broadcast team.
1: Well, I, I look, you, you you don't take credit for something like that. You give the credit to the person that earned the job, and that's what that's what Joey has done. He came in, and that's not an easy position to come in. You're the, you're the guy coming in after Kelly Chase, you know, who's was, uh, who's a legend in the area, was excellent on the air, was a great partner for 18 years, you know, and and was so loved, and to come in and. And he just did it. He fit in so well with our group, with Darren Pang and John Kelly, our travel group, and uh, and and he's he's worked his butt off. And and I love this is one of my favorite stories to tell about Joe to give fans an idea of the work he does behind the scenes. You know, he shortly after he got this job, he reached out to Joe Micheletti. and Joe Micheletti hand wrote about an eight-page letter to Joe about how he thinks the job is done, important things to know about the job, that kind of thing, and. And then and then gave it and sent it to Joe. I mean, when, when they met for, for coffee one day, when, when Joe Micalletti was in town visiting mm-hmm. his family, I mean, so so to, I mean, he, he sat down with Joe Buck. He sat down with Joe Micalletti. Uh, Joe Micalletti, you know, gave, gave him that letter. There, he's talked to so many different people. He he talks to Darren Pang about you know what it takes to, to do this job, and we and we're learning. And he's made me a better broadcaster in the process. But his humor, his fun. His personality comes through on the radio, and that, that's what makes it so much fun on a nightly basis.
0: Well, we are very fortunate to have the broadcast teams we have here in St. Louis, no question about it. And you'll be able to hear Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale tomorrow night right here on 101 ESPN Blues in crack and Kraken pregame at 8 p.m. Kerbs, always appreciate the time, sir. Thank you so much.
1: All right, guys. Have an awesome day. And uh, J- Jackson, sorry to beat up on you a little early. It was too early for that. My apologies.
0: It's all right. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> Fellas, thanks, Curse. Thanks, Carlos